Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 16 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week, well, almost every week, we uh, watch an episode <laughs> of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and uh, with me as always is my co-host and brother, Dave. Dave, how are you doing this week? I'm doing real well, Matt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is the first day of 2015. January 1, and uh, welcome to the year, and welcome back to the show. It has been uh, two weeks since we've done this, and I gotta tell you, when I was setting up to do this tonight, I realized that it's been, uh, it was it was a lack. I missed it. I did not expect to miss it as much as I did. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was very strange to have not done an episode last week. We were going to. We were going to do an episode, and then I was in Texas, and I had forgotten all of my like recording equipment, and, uh, you know. Yeah, and I was in Wisconsin, and I had almost all of all my recording equipment. I brought everything except the cables. <laughs> so I had my, I had like a bag full of like a microphone and my mic stand and a pop screen and my headset and my laptop. And then I went to go actually plug everything in and I realized that I had made a very serious mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So I didn't, we didn't get our dose of weekly dose, that is, of, of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. And you guys missed your weekly dose of the Super Sentai Brothers. So we're going to try to not have that happen again. Okay, so Dave, let's just get right back into it. Uh, shining in the heavens, as always, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Matt, our first star of the week is Christmas presents, because I got a bunch of great Christmas presents. Oh, what'd you get this year? We haven't actually seen each other since Christmas. So. We actually haven't seen each other since before Christmas, since we, you know, this is kind of our year that we go our separate ways for Christmas. Uh, and actually, you know, I was just thinking about this morning, Matt, is that Christmas is not quite over for us. That's true. Actually, you and I have yet to exchange. Yeah, presents. even this far into the new year, we because we just got you know my wife and I just got back from Texas. You just got back from Wisconsin, so we're doing our sort of immediate family Christmas tomorrow, right? And yeah, uh, so Christmas isn't even over. I'm really excited about what I got you. I think you're going to be really into it. Uh, as am I excited for what I got you. See, the thing is, here at the Super Sentai Brothers, we try to keep the holiday spirit alive as long as possible. Will, yeah, as long as possible. We maybe try a little too hard, frankly. But uh, I'm super excited about what I got you. I also got some other really cool presents. Uh, my wife got me a gorgeous, gorgeous matte bottle of scotch. Oh, tell me everything. Oh, yeah. Um, it's an Abelor... It's like a, uh, it's just beautiful. It's kind of peppery, and there's some like a beautiful kind of uh, great caramel finish to it. It's it's really good. <laughs> I'll, I'll have I'll bring some over for you tomorrow. You can taste it. It's okay, it's worth lovely. tasting. So we got that. Uh, Mom and Dad got Beth and I a Soda Stream, which we're really excited oh, about. No way. Yeah, yeah. We we drink uh, a lot. You will of... have to tell me how that works out because I have been on the fence about buying one of those for probably four years. Let me tell you, Matt, you need to hop off that fence and on to whatever side of the fence gets you a soda stream. Uh, oh, yeah. They're awesome. They're great. They're really fantastic. Uh, it, it does exactly what it says it does, basically. It's a simple product. It does precisely what it says it does. Uh, the design for it, I don't think, literally has probably changed since they invented seltzer water. That's what it is, Matt. It's a seltzer. It's a... 
Yeah, it's a, a seltzerizer. It's a seltzerizer. Yeah, I'm sure that's the the technical definition. But you know, like when you see like those old, uh, you know, like Three Stooges, and they've got a bottle of water, and like he puts the spigot on, and he pulls the thing, and water squirts out. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Like the design has not changed at all. It just it. So you're getting a lot of great sort of slapstick moments over at the uh, the East Side J household. Well, okay. Uh, sorry. The functional the function has not changed at all. The design obviously is a little bit different. Sure, and your purpose is obviously a little right. Different I am not a master of slapstick comedy, but I do love myself some seltzer, and it comes with like little flavor packets that you can put in. We tried the orange. We got like a sampler with the okay. thing, and we tried the orange pop, and sure enough, Matt, it tastes like orange pop. So we got a soda stream. I would be concerned if it tasted otherwise. Right, but no, but you know, it tastes like proper orange pop is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Right. It does not taste like orange pop that you made in your kitchen. Right. Even though I totally made it. Well, I sort of made it in my kitchen. I put the two parts together in my kitchen. But it tastes like orange pop. So we got a soda stream, got a great bottle of scotch, uh, got some really nice sweaters, which is how you know I'm old, that I'm like, oh, yeah, really nice sweaters. But they are really nice, and I look fantastic in them. Dude, a good sweater is a, a beautiful thing. It is. It is. Uh, what else did I get? Beth got me some books. I got a really cool book uh, from Mom and Dad about how to butcher animals. Sorry. Okay. How to butcher animals in like a charcuterie cooking way, not in like a weird way. Right. Yeah. No. You, you're not running like a, you know, a weird... <laughs> backyard abattoir I just with like the squirrels from the neighborhood right I just realized like if you don't know me and know that I have sort of like a passing interest in like butchery and like curing meats and stuff that may have (laughs) said I like to butcher animals but no it's a really come up on the show before dude it's a super uh, cool book have we mentioned that on the show before uh, I think you mentioned it when you made the Porcata de Testa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that may have been a star even. So anyway, so dude, this book starts with like a whole – it does pig, lamb, and uh, beef or pork, lamb, and beef, I guess. I don't know. I guess it starts as a pig and ends up as pork. You know what I'm saying? But it starts off with a whole animal and literally yeah, well, basically, they have assumed um, And that- this is something that I noticed uh, a while ago is that generally speaking, the name of the meat is – the French name of whatever the animal is. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I could explain to you why, if you are even vaguely curious, but... I imagine it has a lot to do with French chefs. It has nothing to do with French chefs, actually. Really? Yeah, and had everything to do with the Norman invasion. Ah, well, then there you go. Yeah, basic... Well, they were French, and I'm sure some of them were well, chefs. Well, some of them were chefs, but yeah, basically, like, if you were a rich land-owning Norman nobleman, you ate pork. And so the food version of it was called pork. But if you were like a poor Anglo-Saxon farmer, you raised pigs. So that's why we eat cows, or we raise cows and we eat beef. We raise pigs, we eat pork. Uh, You know, we shoot deer, but we eat venison. If, in fact, you know, you shoot deer. Right. So, yeah, so I got that. Uh, Beth got me a copy of Tarzan of the Apes. Like the book? Yeah. Have you ever read Tarzan of the Apes, Matt? You know, I never have. The only, um, oh gosh, who wrote that? Uh, Edgar, That's, Edgar Rice uh, Burroughs. Edgar Rice Burroughs, thank you. The only Burroughs that I've ever read is I read some John Carter, uh, Carter? John Carter? Yeah, John Carter of Mars. Yeah. I was thinking for a moment John Carpenter, who made a movie about Mars and, you know, 
vampires yeah, and other ghosts things, of mars but... i think vampires of mars if it's john carpenter i kind of assume it's vampires maybe it's not uh yeah but i read some john carter which is basically you know space tarzan. Yeah, space tarzan but dude tarzan is great i i'm not going to go into it because you know we spent like half of our stars last time talking about how great conan is and he is great true um but tarzan is also totally great and you should read tarzan of the apes Rock and roll. So, uh, Christmas presents. Did you get anything kind of particular uh, that you were excited about for Christmas presents? I feel like I talked about a bunch of my favorite stuff. I'm trying to think. I got a nice pair of boots, Ooh, which nice. is, uh, you know, is, is it's exciting in the same category as your sweaters are. But I have desperately needed a new pair of boots for years. Yeah, no, I hear you. Particularly boots that do not look like snow boots. Right, right. Like you know? boots that you can wear as like a grown-up. Precisely. Like professional boots. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Right, boots that I can wear into the office and then not have to change out of. Yeah, precisely. Uh, you know, the the joys of being 30. <laughs> um, I got a great uh, sort of art print that's a sort of cool, abstracted picture of a map of Cleveland. Oh, nice. I'm excited which to has see that. Since, it, it looks very cool. I got to get a frame for it, which puts it in the same stack of... Christmas gifts that I've gotten for the last three years that all still need frames. Have you? Did you ever frame that print, that Kate Beaton print that I got you? You haven't had have uh, that. Was, that is the first thing on the stack, or rather the <laughs> bottom of the stack, because new things have piled up on it. Man, Kate Beaton. Uh, I'm glad that she's off like doing bigger and better things with her life, but I do totally miss that she doesn't update Hark of Vagrant anymore. Yeah, I mean, she does uh, semi-frequent things on her Tumblr, I want to say. Uh, like she'll still put up new comics. Oh, right on. I don't really go on Tumblr. Um, I because I am like I I pretend to be with it technologically, but I'm not quite. I am subscribed to it via an RSS feed. Oh, that seems like the best way to do it. Well, I mean, the best way to do it probably would just be to like have a Tumblr and follow around that. But mm, I'm not convinced that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right man so star number I, one i think i was like one of the four people who was really or like the four percent of the population rather who was really sad when the google rss reader went down <laughs> broke my heart oh well, uh hey man google plus is still around which i was oh, yeah i was convinced i was convinced dude that Google Plus was like the wave of the future. Like as soon as Google Plus came out, I, I actually, I posted on Facebook. I was like, later nerds, see you all on Google Plus. Like when you all get to the program. Uh, <laughs> I did. It's on my Facebook somewhere. And then no one followed me. Like no one came with me to Google Plus. Despite the fact I maintain that it is still, I still prefer it as like an interface. Oh, it's a fine service. Yeah, but nobody uses it. No, no, goodness, no. The, you know, just Facebook had too much momentum. I remember when Google Plus came out, our, our mutual friend Marty also, like, bandwagoned on to Google Plus super hard. Like, he spent a solid month, I want to say, consistently referring to, not only was he consistently talking about it for a month, <laughs> but every time he did, he referred to it as the new hotness. Dude, it, it, it what? Well, it would have been. It would have been the new hotness. It was great. But yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody's there. It's just like they built this huge, beautiful building, and nobody 
It's just st- sitting there abandoned. Yeah. Although I tell you what, dude, uh, about Facebook. I like Facebook now way more than I used to. And I'm going to tell you the secret, Matt. I'm going to tell you the secret to enjoying Facebook. You ready? Uh, unfollow basically everyone. Oh, dude, I took it off my phone about a month and a half ago, and I have not like I have never been happier in my social media life. Yeah, like it is beautiful. I took it. I took it off my phone. I don't have it on Messenger, and uh, I the list of people that I like follow that I like see their stuff is down to maybe like forty people total. And I've discovered it's great. I have like a zero tolerance policy. Like as soon as you post something uninteresting. Or something that I'm just like, eh, nope. I just I just unfollow you. And it's awesome. It makes life so much better, Matt. So much better. They've actually done studies that that the fewer like Facebook friends you have, the more pleasant you find Facebook to use. Like that, that makes sense. Yeah, like, that's not that makes just, a lot of sense. It's not just like you and me. This is a, a scientifically determined fact. Okay, so everybody spend less time following random people on Facebook and spend more time following the Super Sentai Brothers on Twitter. <laughs> and also on Facebook. I think we've got a Facebook. Yeah, we have a Facebook. We totally have a Facebook. See, I would follow us on Facebook. I think I do follow, I think us, I on do follow us on Facebook. Actually. I think I do follow us on Facebook, actually. I should. You do not follow us on Twitter. I don't have a Twitter, Matt. I know, but you're missing some real gold, Dave. Well, I read it sometimes. Like, I just hop online and read it. Uh, okay. But I don't, I don't have a Twitter, personally. So, where are we? We are on our third star. Are we? And I think we're on our first star. That was Christmas presents, dude. Christmas presents were just awesome. Have we seriously been talking about Christmas presents for the last 15 minutes? Because uh, if so, we need to ram through these last stars <laughs> okay. So, star number one, Matt. Christmas. It's a wonderful, joyous time of year, and presents were had and enjoyed by many people, us included. Star number two, Matt. You're up. Okay, star number two. I'll make this quick. Star number two is that my microphone is literally falling apart as we are doing this episode. <laughs> that's like a that's like a black hole. I feel like we should have stars on black holes. Like if something is terrible, but we still want to talk about it, it can be a black hole of the week. Maybe, maybe this is my my Zydos of the week. Oh, but my nice, uh, nice pull. So Zydos of the week is that like okay. There is a bit inside the microphone where the headphone jack comes in. Yeah. Um, and the headphones were not working. And so I pulled, I like unscrewed some things and I pulled the bottom off. Um, because I don't know anything about electronics, but I do have a screwdriver <laughs> and I was looking at it and like the whole thing is like the soldering has basically all come undone. So I had to basically, I jammed the, I, I sort of put it all back together manually because I don't have a soldering iron. Um, and to keep it in place so that I can still be using it, I have like a rubber band wrapped around it on the outside to create tension <laughs> in the right direction okay. to make sure that like all the connections are in place. Uh, and this would not be nearly so bad if a, another weird thing was not going on where it buzzes uncontrollably in my ears if my microphone is facing either north or south. Like, it has to be facing either east or west, or it does this weird buzzing, Dude. and I don't know how to stop it, but my desk is facing um, north, and so I now have, like, taken my microphone 
off of its stand, and I'm sitting sideways in my chair, staring at the wall, like trying to just make sure that I can keep the technology functioning long enough for us to finish this episode. <laughs> okay, so that is uh, star number two. Dave, what is our third star? Uh, our third star, Matt, is a New Year's day thing that i just got back from uh you know before i uh, was recording this episode and uh, some friends of ours have just discovered the wife has discovered that she is of like scottish descent and so she is like really interested in kind of learning about scottish stuff and uh um, all right i as our first star may have indicated, as previous stars have also indicated over the course of these last few months, uh, I really like scotch. And so they were like, Dave, we would like to talk to you about scotch. And I, don't, I mean, I don't want to set myself as like an expert or like a real power, like a great connoisseur. I just like it. Sure, but you know more about scotch than people who don't know anything about scotch. Yes, that is an excellent way to say it. So they went and they bought, spent some of their Christmas budget on a, uh, a couple bottles of very nice scotch. So they got an art bag and a, um, a Glenmorangie and a uh, Glenlivet, a 15-year Glenlivet. So I brought along a bottle of uh, Laphroaig and a bottle of um, Abalor. And so we all sort of tried those. Oh, and they had a bottle of Bacintosh, which is very nice, but not as like super cool and impressive. So we just kind of hung out and we had some Scottish stew and then like a Scottish dessert with like whipped creams and like toasted oats and raspberries. It was delicious. And then Ooh. we uh, had some scotch. It was really nice. Got to try some scotches that I haven't tried before. I got to share some of mine with them. So all around good time. So that can be a quick start, but it was really fun. Right on. Oh, on the subject of liquors, I forgot to mention in the Christmas present section, because that section wasn't long enough already, uh, <laughs> that mom and dad brought me a bottle of Calvados. Ooh, nice. Uh, which, for those of you who don't know, is a French um, sort of apple brandy. It's It's really great, and you can't get it around here. So I'm always excited when they come back from Europe and bring me a bottle. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, okay, so that was the third star of the week. Fourth star of the week. Dave, I took the bus back from Wisconsin to Cleveland. Okay. And let me tell you something about the Megabus route from Wisconsin to Cleveland. Well, first of all, you have to get down to, we had to drive down to Milwaukee where it picked up. But in Milwaukee, it picked up okay. at the Amtrak Greyhound station. They have sort of like contracted a thing with Amtrak and Greyhound, and that's where it drops off. Got it. Then it took me to Chicago. And in Chicago, it drops you off right outside Union Station, like middle of downtown, right by the, you know, like their main Amtrak station as well. Great place to sit around, you know, right off, you know, as close to right off the highways you can sort of reasonably expect in a city of that size. Um, and in Cleveland, it drops off at a, it's not the Greyhound station, but it is the sort of, um, like citywide bus hub. Okay. Which is also right downtown, right? Got it. There's another stop in the middle there, which is in Toledo. Now, the Toledo stop is in a parking lot about a half an hour away from the highway. Oh, okay. And it's just like this sort of, I think it's like an adjunct learning center or something. <laughs> okay. So we got off the highway and we're just driving around. And it did not used to be this far away. They've changed it since the last time I took this bus. Um, 
And not only is it that far away from the highway, it's not like they get off the highway and then one of two things happens. Either they take the exact same route back to the highway. Oh. So it's they don't even like, you know, find a shorter way through. They just drive for a half an hour and then backtrack. <laughs> okay. Which is what I'm hoping happened, because the only other option is that I was only sort of half paying attention and Toledo is some sort of like nightmare like hellscape where the entire city <laughs> is a is like twisted into like a like suburban sprawl palindrome that like begins and ends with the same like you know you store it halls and has regularly spaced like you know gas stations of identical names and chain restaurants <laughs> It almost makes you wonder what was going on with Klinger, man. Maybe he really was crazy. Maybe. Wasn't he from Cincinnati? I thought it was from Toledo. No, because he roots for the Toledo Mudhens. It's like this whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Matt, I got to say, you are betraying a concerning lack of knowledge about MASH. No, it's true. MASH is uh, MASH is one of those great classic shows that I recognize I ought to have at some point watched. And honestly... I've probably only seen like 10 episodes of MASH total. I mean, it's totally worth watching. I watched almost the entire run of the show because uh, like right after I got out of college, they would run like three episodes in a row starting at like 1230 on some channel. So I would just stay up and I would watch like three episodes a night. Uh, it's a great show. You should totally watch it. Anyways, uh, I <laughs> this is going on for a really long time. Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Okay, our fifth and final star of the week is a thing that happened to me while in Wisconsin. Okay, so I will try to make this brief. Dave, the first night that I showed up, because um, I was the only one of our cousins who traveled from out of town to go to Christmas. Oh, seriously? Yeah, it, it was sort of a lighter gathering this year. But um, basically, when I show up, the one co- one of the cousins who lives in Wisconsin uh-huh. says, Hey, um, I know that you like Dungeons & Dragons. Me, a couple of my friends and I are all getting together tonight, and we are going to play it for the first time. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. we've never played before. Like, one of us has played before, but most of us haven't. Which cousin I've is this, I've never played Matt? before. This is Pete. Okay, so, for reference, Pete is in his, like, mid-twenties. Yeah. And so, they say, all right, like, and I decide, you know, we've been in the car all day, but I'm not going to miss my cousin's first time playing D&D. Oh, heck yeah. You but know, you and I actually that. happen to have had, like, an old, like dwarven hammer figurine in my bag so i was like aha this is perfect of course i'll go play a dwarf (laughs) and so we get in the car we drive over to his friend's house where they're going to be playing and i look around and they have a dungeon master's guide okay they have the um that book for the beginning what is it the horde of the dragon queen yeah that first module they have a bunch of character sheets they've got dice and Dave, what am I not saying that they have? <laughs> the player's guide. They didn't have a player's guide, Dave. <laughs> like, I don't know how. They just missed the fact that they needed to buy a player's guide. <laughs> and so we just, like, we still played, but the way that we did it was totally backwards. Like, I had, like, basically, we made characters based off of three things. <laughs> I've got an app on my phone with all the Pathfinder rules. Now, bear in mind, we were playing 5th edition D&D, okay. which is not Pathfinder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was referencing it for like, well, I mean, I guess this is how Cure Light Wounds works. 
Like, it seems pretty similar. Um, like, things that I had remembered from reading my copy of the Player's Handbook, and, like, other bits cobbled from the books that we had, and, like, an online character generator that didn't actually explain how any of the, like, the class mechanics worked. And so we just sat around for three hours, like, trying to play D&D, where half of the rules were just either things that I kind of remembered, or things that we had all made up. Nice. So wait, what did people play? Oh. Oh, gosh. I mean, like, there were a couple of different classes, but none of them really mattered. Like, Pete played a bard because I remembered how the inspiration die mechanic worked. So we had that. And I was able to look up a couple of spells for our clerics and wizards because we knew sort of how many spell slots they were supposed to have. But all the spells that we used were all the spells from Pathfinder. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was a fighter. So basically, I just ignored any class features and rolled around and hit things with an axe. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun, but... Um, tell your friends, guys. Buy the player's handbook. There's, it's important. It's the reason they put that one out first. Yeah, you you need that one. <laughs> okay, so those are our five stars of the week. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to watch episode sixteen of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, and we'll be right back in a minute. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 16 of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. It is called The Child Rumbling Stones. And Dave, why don't you tell us what happened? Absolutely, Matt. Uh, it is a Daigo-centric episode, which is fantastic because Daigo is absolutely the best ranger. And the rangers fight a puppet-themed monster. And we see the reappearance of Kujaku, the peacock Buddha, from episode 10, I think? 10 uh, yeah, I think it was 9 and 10, yeah. Something like that. So that's pretty much it. Okay, so. Act one. Scene one. Open out a picture of Daigo. Talking to another picture of the Peacock Buddha. He is in the museum where there's that uh, picture on the wall of the Peacock Buddha. Right, it's the last one we saw. It's the last one like we saw her like interacting with, and he like shows up and he talks to it. There's some sort of connection between this picture, like particularly maybe, and the Kujaku herself. We don't exactly know what it is, but there is one. It must be, yeah, because Daiko and Kujaku both keep going back to the same museum and to the same painting. Right, so clearly um, this is some sort of like... We never see anyone else at this museum. It's just kind of weird. I have to imagine that there's, like, they have to have, like, a ticket taker up front somewhere that just keeps seeing these two people walk in. <laughs> one of them dressed like an ancient fantasy warrior. Who sometimes does not leave. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Daigo's there. He's talking to this picture of the Peacock Buddha. I don't remember exactly what he says. He's basically like, I miss you. Please come back. And then that's kind of it, right? Yeah, he just sort of is sort of shouting into the ether. Hoping that, like, her chi will hear him if he talks to the painting. I don't even know. Uh, But it doesn't work. And then that's the end of that scene. And then it shows up at the pet shop, which is where Daigo works, if you don't remember. And he is, like, hanging out. And he's, like, taking care of the animals. And there's this little girl. And she's, like, looking really sad. And Daigo, being the best ranger, is like, oh, what's that I see? A hurting child? maybe i should help her 
So he does, because he's the best. Yeah, and so Daigo goes over and says, hey, you know, you come here every day. You must really love animals. So, like, do you have a pet at home? And he's just trying to engage her and, you know, try to talk about animals. <laughs> Poor girl, man. And, yeah, this girl is having a rough time of it. Because what she says is like, no, we don't have any at home. Because both of my parents, like, work a lot and are never there. And so there's no one to take care of the animal, and I can't have one by myself, and so I just can't have an animal. Sorry. What she actually says is, there's no one there to take care of me. Yeah. Well, that's a little worse. Yeah, it is. This is like a thing. The the rangers run into these kids. Like, remember with the last one, with like the playing card, and the girl's really upset because she's like, my parents left me, the 12-year-old, so like, watch after my seven-year-old brother, and if they get back and he's a playing card, they're going to be really mad at me. Yeah, I just have in my notes... Uh, she loves animals, but can't have a pet because of her horrible, uncaring parents. <laughs> I feel like you summarized the situation pretty accurately. And so Daigo, since as we've uh, sort of gone on and on about, uh, is just like a genuinely good guy. He says, listen, you can't have one at home, I guess, but, but how would you like to hang out here and feed the animals with me? And the girl is like, that would be awesome. Because it is She's awesome. over the yeah, moon. Yeah, she's thrilled about it. So, like, Daigo is, like, he helps her out, and he, like, he's, like, here's the food, and she's, like, wandering around the animals and, like, feeding them. And then she runs into, like, one dog, like, way at the end of the row. And as soon as she rolls up, this dog, like, freaks out. And she kind of jumps back, and Daigo walks up. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. This dog yeah. was, like, what did he say? He was, like, hurt by human beings or something like that. Yeah, basically, I've, he doesn't go into detail, but his that dog's previous owners were not, like, kind people and did not treat him well. Yeah. And so he, you know, when people get near him, he gets tense and barks. And so Daigo, again, the best ranger, uh, my notes actually just say, explaining the compassion that we must have for all living creatures and to understand their pain. But what he says to those little girls, he's like, listen, this dog was hurt, so when he, he freaks out and he barks, but, like... If you are nice to him and, like, help him out, you know, he will get better. And, like, I'm sure you guys can be friends. And this is the lesson that Daigo teaches this little girl. Because he's the best. Yeah, and this is, uh, we will find out later, um, this is a significant lesson for Daigo to be teaching this kid. Because, um, oh, yeah, this if you will recall, Kujaku, basically, the dog is a pretty like transparent stand-in for Kujiku. Like she has been mistreated and she is lashing out. Um Poor and Kujiku. Daigo, you know, is trying to solve it by being kind to her and reminding her that like goodness still exists in right. the world. Poor ancient peacock Buddha. So we cut scene, uh it jumps to a playground, there's like a bunch of kids running around, and then there's a terrifying marionette, and that marionette uses like laser eye beams to turn children into stone. So that's horrible. Yeah, but here's the it's horrible. But here's the thing is like even the marionette is upset about the children turning into stone. Oh yeah, that's a like, good point. Like th- his plan is not to turn kids into stone. That is the side effect of what he is trying to do failing. Yeah, and we're not going to tell you what he's doing yet because it does come up later and it's a big reveal. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but he's bummed. He's like, "Oh, another one turned to stone. Curses." And then I think one of the Goma commanders shows up, right? And actually is like, you need yeah, to Gara find the right ones. Up. But he can't. So, scene cut, that's it. So he's just, 
he's just rolling through town, turning kids, <laughs> turning into, kids stone into stone everywhere. by accident. Uh, so that's it for that scene, right? Back to the pet shop. Uh, some stuff happens at the pet shop, basically, right? Daigo finds the little girl's uh, house key that she left. Behind. Oh, yeah, that's right. So she's and like, so off he playing. wants to go find her, but she is off um, encountering Kujiku. Yeah. Kujiku just sort of pops out from behind a tree or something, sticks her hand out, and <laughs> hypnotizes this kid and says, like, hey, wouldn't you like to come to the park with me? Which is putting off a real creeper vibe there, Kujiku. Yeah, a lot of this stuff with Kujiku is. It's not right. You know, man, in the original, like, if you look at the picture, uh, the Peacock Buddha is totally a dude, and I am very glad that they recast this as, like, a lady, because, like, a dude rolling around in, like, a weird peacock outfit, like, hypnotizing small children, being like, wouldn't you like to go to the park? I think would put a whole different spin on this show. Yeah, it's bad enough without that particular vibe creeping in. (laughs) Okay. So she goes back to the park. Marionette shows back up, tries to hit her, like hits her with the beam, like the eye, the red eye beam thing, and lo and behold, she does not turn into stone. Yeah, and he's like, and they are so happy, yeah, super psyched. So Gara shows up, one of the government commanders. Gara shows up and is like, "Oh, good, this is what this red eye thing actually is, guys. It's like a Goma tribe descendant test." Yeah, if you are a member of the Goma tribe, or like a descendant of the Goma tribe at least, you don't turn into stone. So that's what they're doing. They're trying to find descendants of the Goma tribe. Yeah, and then they're going to take those kids and like twist them into being monsters. And it cuts to this like weird daydream sequence that Gara has. Of these, like, six kids dressed all in black, like, wearing capes and running through the mist with, like, these giant Dracula teeth. It's amazing. (laughs) If I remember, I'll try to pull up a picture of that and uh, put it up on the Twitter feed. So, so Matt, does this mean that the Goma are, like, the Inhumans? Like, you start off as just, like, a, you know, like a whatever and then would you get to like a certain point the Goma tribe does something to their children and they turn into like crazy monsters? You know, I think this is more similar to like what we were talking about before with the um the Die Rangers needing the Aura Changers to channel their like ancestry into becoming heroes. Oh, okay. What it probably is is that the die like the old Goma tribe were all like the sort of shape-changing monsters. But now they like their bloodlines have been so diluted that like there is a oh, okay. spark of Goma in them, but they would really need to like amplify that to turn them into a monster. Got it, got it, got it. Oh, that makes sense. I like my Inhumans theory better, but yours actually, I think, is more probably canon accurate. Probably, although it's always fun to talk about the Terrigen Mists. Dude, dude. Okay, have you... You're caught up on the thing that I'm probably about to talk about, right? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. It's a few weeks old. Hey, if you guys don't want, like, very brief Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, spoilers, I guess jump forward 30 seconds if we're going to talk about it. I Give us a minute, probably, to be safe. Oh my gosh, S.H.I.E.L.D. In, in humans, Matt. In humans. We have in humans on... 
Like primetime television. Have we talked about this on the show already? I think maybe we actually have. We've talked about the show once or twice. We haven't talked about this specifically because it's a more recent development. But yeah, guys, like the the Terrigen Mists show up and turn some existing characters on the show uh, into superpowered Inhumans. And that's a pretty cool thing. That's a pretty it's, cool oh, thing to see dude, on your network TV. Dude. And you know, they did such a fantastic job with it. I did not see it coming. You know what I mean? Until... Uh, I kind of like about halfway through the episode, I figured out kind of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I, I texted you all in caps, right? Um, yes, you did. Yeah. Like all night until I dropped everything else I was doing to watch the yeah, show. Yeah, you're welcome. So I figured it about halfway through. And like, I'm a comic books guy and like a literature you know like i watch a fair amount of tv i read a lot of stories i i'm usually pretty good at like catching things i mean uh, oh i think this is what is going to happen or like oh no way this is the thing and then it happens uh they totally got me i did not catch it until like just before it happened and i lost it so inhumans super excited yeah i mean if if you guys aren't watching Shield, like I get it, it's had some weak parts. It is not like a one hundred percent great show, and I know a, a bunch of people who sort of got turned off by chunks of the first season. But it's been great, and this particular thing was very well done. Yeah, super well done. Definitely recommend the show. Uh, okay, so anyways, so that's why they're excited about this girl. Welcome back. If you skipped ahead to dodge Shield spoilers, so that's why they're excited about this girl. Is that they can turn her into a monster, like a member, a full-fledged like member of the Goma tribe. And then... Which I guess they're probably starting to run out of because the Dite Rangers keep killing them. Yeah, well, who knows how many there are, but the Dite Rangers are making pretty short work of them. Um, but then Kuchaku jumps out from behind a tree and is like, Ha! Gara, I got you! And Gara's like, wait, what? And Kuchaku's like, I totally use that little girl for bait. Which, again, not cool Kujaku. Yeah, dude, she is cold. Like, not an appropriate way to go about... Not very Buddha-like, I think. Like, I'm, I don't know a lot Particularly about Buddhism. Particularly not someone who is, like, legendarily known for her gentleness. Right. Like, I don't know a lot about Buddhism. I'm going to go on a limb and say, using children for bait, not very Buddhist. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. <laughs> I can't think of any major, like, religion or worldview that in its tenets sort of says that using a child as bait to try to trap a 6,000-year-old monster um, is, like, 100% cool. I feel like everyone's probably got at least some sort of problem with that. Well, I would say the 6,000-year-old monster thing is probably pretty specific. But, uh, so Kujaku and Gara start to go at it, and then, uh, you know, Daigo shows up. Daigo gets in on the party. Fight, 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 he fight. He has this weird, like, peacock chi spidey sense. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on there. So they fight. Oh, there is one cool moment in this, is they run into the monster, who's got some giant unpronounceable name that I don't remember, but he's basically, like, the marionette monster or something. Do you remember what it is, Matt? 
No, I was just going to be calling him the Puppet Master because okay. I didn't remember yeah, what it Puppet was. Yeah, Puppet Master works for me. So Puppet Master actually does pull out a really neat like special attack. He like holds his hand out at Daigo and shoots out like energy strings that grab Daigo's limbs, and then they turn into ropes, and he turns Daigo into like a marionette, and he's like controlling him. I thought it was pretty cool. No, it was cool. I, I wrote that down in my notes as well. It's like this weird, you know. It's a very cool and imaginative power for a marionette-themed monster to have. Yeah, I thought that was a good moment. Um, so, but, you know, of course, Daigo escapes. He does something. He pulls out a sword or something. I forget exactly what. Um, no, he pulls out his new chakra thing, and he throws it at him. Oh, that's right. And the marionette, like, breaks apart and falls to pieces, like a action figure that got dropped off a roof. Yeah, but, but... The puppet is in the background and like is like wah 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 like hits him with some red light or something, and the the monster like jumps back into place and like he's okay. But this yeah, is after Daigo. And just to be clear, escaped. and I'm I just want to make sure that we have covered this properly. There are two Goma sort of, or one and a half Goma sort of working in tandem. There's a full sized monster. Oh yeah, no, which we is did what they were fighting. This. And then there's the smaller monster looking thing and that is what the big dude carries around yeah like he is the marionette master and that thing is the marionette right the eye the red eye lasers that turn kids to stone come out of the marionette not out of the main dude yeah thank you matt because i think we had totally i can imagine that would have been very confusing uh but yeah that is the case so but he chills there for so a the second marionette shoots its eye lasers as a monster and the yeah and then it recovers yeah but by this point daigo and kujiku have already left right with the girl, right? Did the girl get away? No, not with no, no, the girl. No, no, no. The girl does not no, get away. No, Gara totally Gara's, walks off with yeah, that girl. Gara's totally got the girl. So then uh, we cut to a new scene. <laughs> Sorry, man. Just Kuchiku. Be like, ah, oh, that little kid. Use her as bait. Sounds good. Uh, so it's uh, Kuchiku and Daigo. They're like standing on a building. And Daigo's like, Kuchiku. You're really being kind of a bee right now. Like, this is not cool. Like, you're the peacock Buddha. This is not what you're supposed to be like. And Kujiku basically responds by saying what she said before. Like, yeah, listen, I lived inside, like, an evil mirror monster's body for 6,000 years and was humiliated and have given up on compassion entirely. So... If I'm going to use a kid for bait, that's just what's going to happen. And you're going to have to deal with like, that. You're just going to have to deal with that. Uh, Daigo says it's unforgivable and sort of storms off. <laughs> that's that's basically it. So I guess they've broken up now. Not totally sure. Uh, but we cut to murder basement. And like the rangers are like, what's going on? They're turning him to stone. Blah, blah, blah. And then I think it's Shoji is like, yeah, and that's Daigo's girlfriend. Like, what's up, Daigo? But Daigo's not there. Daigo is out once again looking for Kujiku. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everybody else is chilling at Murder Basement complaining. Daigo's out being proactive. Well, I, to be fair, I don't think that Daigo, like, stopped back into Murder Basement to tell them what was going on. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, so Kaku... Uh, Kaku says, listen, Daigo's out there looking for her. Why don't you go find him and help him sort of figure out whatever the situation is? <laughs> right. Uh, so then we cut. Like, they just 
they just bug out. We have no idea what they're doing. Now we cut to a scene. It's the little girl whose name is Yuki, by the way. The little girl who was like helping Daigo at the pet shop and who was hypnotized, blah, blah, blah. Her name is Yuki. So the girl is in... Matt, there's no better way to describe it. She's just in like a giant magic circle. Like it's very yeah. clearly a sort of like arcane, like binding circle. It's in like bright primary colors on the ground could not be more obvious as to what this thing is. Yeah, it's like the imagine that Gara has like a big sort of like poster tube and on that poster tube it just says garish trap and then she opened up the tube and like got this mat out and unrolled it on the floor and then like <laughs> put the kid in the middle. Going on. Uh, oh, by the way, the the floor in question is of course the floor of a warehouse. Oh yeah, naturally. I, I I almost mad it feel like at this point we don't even need to say that. Like that just is like a given. Well, you know, the reason I brought it up this time is because the next scene that we go to, we jump immediately from the warehouse to the docks and it just tickled me so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my notes just say grill is in a thing, it is clearly a trap. Yup, it's a trap. Because the very first thing that happens Kujaku, she walks downstairs, she sees the girl. While the kid is shouting, like, no, stay away. <laughs> right. She, I think she does everything but actually say, no, stop, it's a trap. She might actually even say that it's a trap. But, so, Kujaku, like, walks down, she walks directly into the trap, is immediately trapped, of course. And, like, chains jump out from somewhere and, like, grab her. Which seems weird. It seems like I would have... Chains seemed, like, weirdly physical. Like, that was an odd note for me. I just felt like it would have been, like, a mystic chi force trap or something. You know what I mean? She would just be paralyzed or, like, man, I don't know. You know, at least the chains are, like, magically animated. I mean, I guess so. So we got a little something. I'll take what I can get, I suppose. So she gets wrapped up. Uh, Gara walks out in the company of a bunch of Kotopotoros. Says, aha, you've fallen for my trap. (laughs) Which... I mean, yeah, of course. Um, you know, hits her with some <laughs> yo-yo-ku. So, I went, does Gara, like, does Gara know that her opponents are idiots? Like, does she, like, is that, like, part of her plan? She's like, well, I could hide my ridiculous magic trap, but why bother? Like, Kujaku won't notice. Or does she just luck out? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, is Gara really proud of this trap? <laughs> like, I give this trap, like, a D. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm, I'm just imagining now Gara has, like, you know, she has, like, her notebook out, and she's writing down different trap ideas. And, like, some of them are scribbled out, and this one has a big star next to it. <laughs> I mean, like, I have, I literally, like, if I have a student who's uh, who's good... You know what I mean? Like like a solid student and they know what they're, they work hard and they know what they're doing and then they turn in some kind of crap assignment. I have in the past just literally handed it back to them and just been like, this is an embarrassment like for you. This is, just redo this. Like I'm not even going to grade this. I'm actually even, I'm vaguely insulted that you even turned it in because I know how much better you can do. You know what I mean? And I right, sort of right. feel like that now with Gara. I'm going to be like, Gara, yes, it technically did what it was supposed to, but you're so much better than this. So much better. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only Goma that we've seen so far with any actual talent for planning is the Kabuki kid. Oh, yeah, it's true. 
Yeah, he was pretty good. Everything else is basically like, yeah, well, let's just sort of do some bad things and hope that nobody stops us. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, so Kujaku walks in. She gets, like, magic chained. Gara like, hits her with some energy bolts or something. I don't exactly know what. And then Kujaku pulls out some sort of weird, crazy peacock chi explosion attack. I, I don't even know, man. Uh, and manages to free herself from the chains, get the kid, and run off to the docks. No, she, like, uh, doesn't she, like, teleport away or something? In any case, she uses some manner of, uh, like, specialty chi power to escape from this trap, get the girl, and go back uh, to the docks. Right. Where, you know, one of the three locations. <laughs> but she is injured. Oh, yeah, yeah, She's, like, she bleeding is definitely... from the mouth and a couple other places, and the little girl is helping to bandage her wounds. Right, and Kujaku is like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I, like, used you as bait, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, um, the girl is not actually of the Goma tribe. The stone thing didn't affect her because she had, like, Yuki's, or I'm sorry, she had Kujaku's, like, chi hypnosis on her. That's why it didn't work. So the girl is just a regular girl. Although this does open up the possibility that there are just, like, descendants of the Goma tribe chilling out somewhere. Well, I mean, there must be, because all the Dai Rangers are descendants of the Dai tribe. Oh, yeah, good point. Right? Uh, okay, so anyways, so Kujaku is like, oh, I'm so sorry, I used you as bait, blah, 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 blah. Like, don't you hate me? And Yuki's like, nah, it's cool. Like, my best buddy Daigo tells me, and, you know, this is why the thing at the beginning was important. She's like, oh, my best buddy Daigo told me... You know, that sometimes people are just hurt, and then they do bad things, and you have to forgive them and be cool anyways. And Kujiku at this point is like, oh, uh, Daiko said that? <laughs> Crap. Yeah. My notes actually just say, wow, Kay, I bet you feel bad. I write, yeah. I write it down as Kay in my notes, because Kujiku is too darn long to write. Yeah, so not only... Is she, like, being shown up in gentleness, which, again, is meant to be her main feature. Right, it's like like, Uh, her thing. By this little girl, she is being told off sort of secondhand by some, like, great wisdom of her, like, (laughs) on-again, off-again superhero boyfriend. (laughs) Okay, so um, after Kujiku feels bad, Daigo, you see Daigo, he's, like, off somewhere, just like on a street corner, it looks like, or like in the middle of a road somewhere. I think he was on a rooftop, and he's sort of sitting like cross-legged, and he has his peacock feather, and he's trying to use his chi to like home in on Kujaku. Yeah, um, and he's like, oh, Kujaku, where are you? And then we cut back to Kujaku, and we see Gara and like a whole bunch of Kotoprotoro and the puppet master, Goma Monster are, like, coming down the dock. Because she's actually, she's at the dock. She's on a barge, like, out in the water. And then the Goma are, like, coming after her on the docks. And she's like, oh, no, they're going to get in here. And I think the implication is that basically she doesn't have the juice to keep fighting. Yeah, at this point, she has used up enough of her, like, fighting and chi prowess just getting away from them the first time. So this time she's not going to be able to fight them off. And so she says like, Oh, like Daigo, please come and at least save this child. And she sends out like a beacon the, of her the peacock signal. Yeah. Which, okay. So I wrote something down here. You know how Daigo is always trying to find Kujaku. Yeah. 
he's always like meditating like oh yeah. like maybe i can get through yeah i mean this is definitely a uh you know texting a girl and she's not texting you back sort of situation right like his meditation it seems has absolutely nothing to do with him finding Kujiku. I don't know if he realizes this because he just meditates for a while and then eventually she like sends out a beam, but she doesn't seem to know that he's meditating. <laughs> right. She's just like, eh, I'm over here. So like at any point that she wants, she can be found. She just doesn't want to be found. Right. Daigo sees it. Comes- Possibly because she's off doing some terrible thing. Yeah, that is the most likely option. <laughs> Trying to seek revenge on Gara. Uh, but Daigo sees it, and he, like, comes running. Yeah, he shows up just in the nick of time, like, jumps on Gara's head to, like, interpose himself between the monsters and the kid and Kujiku. Um, Kujiku says, like, oh, Daigo, you came. And, again, I just want to point out that this little girl who knows Daigo, not because he's a dye ranger, but because he works at the pet shop she frequents, sees that her buddy is like a kung fu master who almost immediately transforms into a superhero (laughs) and does not bat an eye. She's just like, oh yeah, right. Uh, Okay, cool. Okay, well I guess that's fine. No, whatever. That's cool. (laughs) Anyway, so he gets away by using his... At this point, it gets a little hazy because I think what happens is he uses his (laughs) illusion powers to make like a smoke screen that they use to then get away. Dude, I don't even. My notes just say I have no idea what's happening, but the Rangers are all here. Yeah. So, like, the problem is though, like, it's not like he could throw a smoke bomb and then run down an alley. He's sitting on a small boat that is tied to a pier. And, like, behind him is water, and in front of him is monsters. And he throws up a smokescreen, and then he and the other four rangers are all at, like, a a rail yard. (laughs) Right. Which doesn't seem to be anywhere near the docks. No, it doesn't. You can't even see the docks from there. But then the Goma are also immediately, like, right there. Like, the Goma run out. Like, all the rest of the rangers are there. And then the, <laughs> the monsters show up, and they're like, okay, now we're fighting. And then they fight. Yeah, I feel like it's one of the, it almost feels like there ought to have been like a deleted scene somewhere. Dude, I have no idea. It's not even like, okay, sometimes, you know, we say like, this is a show for babies, and like, we're reading way too much into it. And like, it doesn't need to make sense. But this doesn't even make sense from like a, a narrative standpoint. They're like, we were in one place, and then we we're gone, and now we're here. But everybody knows where we are. We're fighting. I don't know. It's fight time. <laughs> okay. So there are jump kicks. Forget about the teleportation. <laughs> I think maybe just, again, it's a show for babies. They're just like, babies don't care about that, and they want to see jump kicks. And to be fair, there are some pretty good jump kicks. There in are here. some pretty good jump kicks in here. So there's a bunch of stuff happening. Uh, Rin has two Dairin Ken. I'm not sure why. So does Shoji. They're like yeah, doing I stuff with them. I wrote down here that everyone has seven Dairin Ken. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I also wrote down disappear into mist, fight on a crane, rail yard tango. So I know where the I'm not sure where the tango comp part comes in. Oh, I know where the I was just trying to quickly write down what was happening. Well, uh, and instead of saying fight at a train station, I wrote down rail yard tango. (laughs) 
It reminds me like the notes you used to take in college. Oh, I mean, the the notes I used to take in college were like bizarre, impenetrable pictograms. They were hilarious, but yeah, they made they were useless to anybody but you because you took half your notes in pictures. You would like draw like a funny sketch of something, and that was and it worked for you. But like anybody else, would be like, we would be looking at it, be like, why is you know Nikita Khrushchev like wearing a toga? Like, what is even happening right now? Oh, dude, you should have seen my notes on the Iran Contra affair. <laughs> Please, it's, I, I, I did assume it, it has all, something to do with like, the video game Contra. Yeah, I okay. drew it all as like you know, uh, Capcom stuff. Okay, yeah, that well, that at least. Makes sense. See that maybe I could have made sense of because I I know a little bit about Contra. Did I ever tell you uh, that our friend Bill has beaten Contra? That's a lie. No one's beaten Contra. He insists that he is, and I believe him. Bill is a trustworthy dude. Yeah, he has beaten Contra. Well, good for you, Bill. That is, I know, right? I'm, I I really don't know where you found the time. If I remembered that story incorrectly, Bill, uh, don't correct me. I would prefer to go on believing that you have beaten Contra. Okay, so what happens now is that all of the rain, the four rangers who are sort of secondary to the plot yeah. in this episode are off fighting the Kotopotoros, and Daigo gets into a one-on-one duel with the puppet master. Right, and it looks as though, like, I don't know enough about it, but from the sort of, like, vibe of the shots, it looks as though they have, like, rival or similar kung fu styles. I don't know if that's true. Puppet Master looks like he's using snake style. Um, if Tekken is, is an accurate guy. If you're remembering your uh, your lay. Yeah, if I remember my lay moves correctly, I'm pretty sure that he's using snake style. Um, and he does pretty well for a while, but in the end, Daigo manages again to break him into pieces. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the guy pulls a sword, Daigo pulls a sword, fight, fight, fight. But he does, he wins. And then, but his victory is short-lived because the other rangers run over like, oh, yeah, good job, Daigo. I guess that's it. And um, Kujaku shows up and points out to Daigo that the small marionette is again reviving the big dude. Yeah. So the big dude starts menacing them again. And she says, oh, like the actual monster is... The puppet. Yeah. Like, the big dude who you think is the puppet master is actually the puppet. And the puppet is the main villain who is, like, hiding out, pretending to be, you know, like a a puppet, basically. Yeah. I, I've said it enough times. Right. It seems weird to keep saying the word puppet, but oh, that's what dude, it is. That reminds me. Uh, it was an episode of the Alfred Hitchcock show that I was watching. Do you remember this episode? Dave, this episode is burned into my memory okay i it thought it would terrified be. me for years oh my gosh it was awful it was the first episode of alfred hitchcock presents i think you and i had ever watched right yeah oh by the way if we've never mentioned this before guys uh neither of us do well with like scary stuff like we don't watch scary movies at all like we just nope. don't i don't watch Not a fan. nothing scary nothing creepy well okay i should i should qualify my rule is uh if I can shoot it with a gun, like, I'm fine. So, like, zombies, werewolves, vampires, uh, you know, whatever. Like, that's totally cool. Love those. I love monster movies, maybe. Like, I like those movies. 
anything that's like like ghosts, demons, possession, uh, you know, blah 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 blah. I'm out. Yeah. Like things that inspire fear are fine. Things that inspire dread are not. Yeah. Like I don't even watch the previews. Like when I'm at a movie and there's a scary preview, I just like close my eyes and I just don't watch it. Um, but anyways, it was an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and it's one, and there's like a puppet. It's like a guy, and he's like the greatest ventriloquist of all time. And then uh, you, at one point, like you're in the room, and you see, and the puppet like turns and is alive. Yeah, like the puppet turns its head and starts to talk, and it's alive. And the ventriloquist is lying lifeless on the bed because he is actually the puppet. Yeah, it's horrifying because you find out later that like the ventriloquist is like a midget or something. But it was terrifying and awful. No, no, no. It's just a living doll. No, no, no. I thought you see at the end of that episode, it's like a dude and he it's like later or something. And it's like a dude and he's a, you know, a little person and he is like driving a cart. I thought I that know. was the I'm idea. not willing to rewatch it, but in my memory, it ends with the revelation that he is a living doll and is just like terrifying and made me scared <laughs> to go in the basement for five years. So Yeah, it was awful. Uh, okay. So anyways. So but So the, I had to relive that particular terror. So the monster is the puppet, and the puppet is the real Goma monster. And so like they attack the puppet. <laughs> but what's great is that even when they reveal this, the puppet does not like then transform into his full form and is the monster. He just stays as the puppet, but he's got an enlarging bomb. And so I'm pretty sure what they do, because like, he's up on a thing and he has to get down to the ground to use the enlarging bomb. And I think what they do is they just tape the enlarging bomb to the puppet's hands and like push it off the thing and it just falls. <laughs> and then the enlarging bomb goes off. And when he's a giant... Then, yeah, then he has, like, yeah. full human proportions. Right. And he fights basically in the same fashion as the fake-out monster. You know, he's got the sword, he's got the marionette string attack. Yeah. It doesn't uh, do him any good, but he tries. No, no, because it turns out when you do the... When you wrap up uh, Dyrano in a bunch of, like, cables... He can then just use those cables to force, like, chi lightning out of his body and into yours, and then hit you with a big glowing sword until you explode. Yeah, should have learned that lesson from Baron String. What? Cut back to the first episode. Um, and also, um, the don't they also do that to Kabuki Boy with his weird extendo tongue? Uh, yeah, I think they do. They do it to a handful of things. Like, basically, anytime somebody manages to trap Dyrano. Like, he just electrifies them. I think somebody yeah. manages to get his sword away from him, and he's like, nope, electric sword. Yep, yeah, that absolutely happened. Yeah, people keep trying. It never works. Yeah, just do not do not try to confine him. Don't try to stand against him. Dyrano is, at least up to this point of the show, unstoppable. <laughs> unstoppable. Um, so that's Your basically enlarging it. bomb is really only delaying the inevitable. So, Puppet Master, I mean, really... I feel like the I feel like the enlarging bomb is a negative as far as the Goma are concerned cuz as long as they keep it on the ground like a lot of the monsters are able to you know at least like go toe to toe with the rangers as soon as they go giant and the rangers are like well I guess we got to call a Dyrano in like then it's over 
Like, if I were the Goma, I would just be trying to stay away from that enlarging bomb as long as I possibly could. Yeah, but I mean, you know, as we've discussed earlier in this episode, the Goma are not master planners. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, okay, so Puppet Master goes down. And then all of the kids who had been transformed into statues turn back into regular kids. Which is nice. I think we saw that coming, but, you know, that's good. And so they're all reunited with their families, and that's very nice. Yeah, everybody's, and, everybody's cool. Yuki's, like, gets to feed the pets again or something. Uh, well, Yuki meets back up with uh, Daigo. Daigo gives her her key, which oh, he was still holding yeah, on to. that's right. And then he says, oh, where's Kujaku? But Kujaku, reportedly, has left again. Yeah. Um, and this is a very but, weird moment. Yeah. It's a weird stinger on the end of the episode. Because we find out that when Kujaku li- has left... She was crying. And so, you know, Daigo suspects, and then we sort of immediately find out that it is true, that her her heart has softened, and some of her previous gentleness has returned. So that's nice. But it's still not a great day for Kujiku, because we see her back in the museum. Yeah. And she's, which I assume she's purchased a membership to at this point. I would imagine so. I don't know why this isn't like the first place that Daigo goes when he's trying to find her. He clearly knows that she has some connection to this portrait, but he doesn't. And no, so, he does. He did in the beginning of this episode. That's right. like five minutes talking well, he, about oh, it. That's, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what he maybe forgot by the end of the episode, because he is definitely looking for her, and he definitely does not check the museum. And so he, it's, I'm sorry, it's Kuchiku, and she is there standing in front of her own picture. I don't really know why. Because um, it, it looks as though she is, like, talking to the picture, which makes no sense to me. The only thing that I can think is that she is not the Peacock Buddha. She is, like, an avatar of the Peacock Buddha. Oh, okay. So maybe so she, like, is, she like, is, like, talking to the full-on... Yeah. Okay, I can dig that. In any case, I'm I'm gonna headcanon that because it's the only thing that makes sense, and it's it could be true. Oh, that works for me. And so she is like imploring the picture, and I forget exactly what she says. She says something to the effect of like, "I wish I could be cool, but I can't." Like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, like she's she is starting to warm, but she is still sort of you know messed up from her time being captured. And then we see this weird moment where one of the feathers in her headdress, like the sort of like the big metal thing, falls out and hits the ground. And she looks at it with a sort of horrified look on her face. Oh, sorry. Heads up. Kuchiku has like a big feathered metal headdress. But maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe that means she's like, I don't know. She she like hurt more than we thought she was. It doesn't actually. She never explains it. She just looks concerned. No, she doesn't explain it, but doesn't the narrator then say, like, you know, her heart has begun to warm, but there are, like, changes in her body that, like, Daigo doesn't know about yet? Oh, something about that, man. It's very, like, it's not super well explained. The in narrator's case, like, uh, things are weird now. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a cliffhanger, but it's not one that is very well described. Yeah, which takes away a lot of the suspense. You know, like a good cliffhanger, you should be like, oh man, what's going to happen? Is it this or this or this? And this one, it's like, here's a cliffhanger. And you're like, here's the end of the episode. Something bad <laughs> might happen in the future. <laughs> you're like, uh, uh okay. Uh, 
all right, a bummer, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah, that's it. That's how we end this one. Uh, Thanks, we have Ranger. still not revisited the uh, the tiger sword. Oh yeah, that's right. I completely sword forgot the about the tiger sword. Chilling. Come on. I think next episode is when we start to get into that. Man, I hope so. I want to see what's up with that. I'm assuming there's a tiger ranger. That's what I. <laughs> I feel pretty on point with that one. Um, yeah, okay. man. I want to know what's going so, on with that thing. How did you feel about this episode? High points. Uh. High points. I like that the puppet was the monster and the monster was the puppet. That was pretty cool. It was a nice twist. All right, Matt. Uh, that was my high point. How about you? Uh, my high point, uh, it, I think my favorite part of the episode was the execution of Gara's terrible trap. <laughs> okay. That was pretty great. I also love, like, it was such a bad trap and it still worked. I Yeah, man. You know, I get down on the Goma for being bad planners, but like... Again, I don't know if they have to be good planners. Yeah, no. No, I think she's fine. She is working right at the level where she's supposed to be. <laughs> like, she could do more, but it would just be over-planning. Yeah. Okay, Matt, uh, low points? Um, Probably that the last scene transition just didn't make any sense at all. I was going to use that one, too. <laughs> Um, okay, so if you're going to take nonsensical scene transitions, I'm going to go ahead and take child bait. Like, oh, yeah. using a young kidnapping child, a child. Yeah, kidnapping and using a young child for bait in your ancient quest for revenge. I'm going to go ahead and say was my low point of the episode. Kujiku. Yeah, get your act together. No, seriously. So that's it for another episode, yeah, Matt? Yep, that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Before we finish up, I'd just like to remind you, you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get updates on future episodes, check out the pictures that I cut out sometimes and post on the uh, Twitter site. We are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, I was tell t- your enemies. I was just going to say that, Matt. You Tell your friends. Because you know what? Uh, sorry, Matt. I know I'm interrupting your vibe a little bit, but we have a ton of fun making this show. Like, it's a blast. We love doing it. It's a great thing that uh, you know Matt and I get to do together, and we love making it for you guys. So we're, we hope you enjoy it. We're glad that you do. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Super Sentai Brothers. Give them the holiday gift. It's a little late, but you know, if you're like us, you're still giving out Christmas presents a week later. Yeah, man. And this one costs you nothing. And it gives us all everything. Everything. Well, you know. Everything. For a given value of everything. For a given value of everything. If that value is <laughs> two nerds talking about Ghostly Sentai Die Ranger. Okay. Sorry, Matt. So, go ahead. Uh, let's see. I, I'm, I'm interrupted in my regular end of episode the, uh The five iTunes stars. Rate, oh, review, rate subscribe. review, subscribe, etc. Ah, here it is. To give you a peek behind the curtain, dear listeners, I have a end-of-episode script. I know it sounds very natural and improvised every week, but it is not. Uh, (laughs) Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.